Chapter 16 of Scenes from Sketches by Boz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Sketches by Boz by Charles Dickens. Illustrations by George Cruikshank. Chapter 16 of Scenes Omnibuses. It is very generally allowed that public conveyances afford an extensive field for amusement and observation. Of all the public conveyances that have been constructed since the days of the Ark, we think that is the earliest on record, to the present time commend us to an omnibus. A long stage is not to be despised, but there you have only six insides, and the chances are that the same people will go all the way with you. There is no change, no variety. Besides, after the first twelve hours or so, people get cross and sleepy, and when you have seen a man in his nightcap, you lose all respect for him. At least, that is the case with us. Then on smooth roads, people frequently get prosy, and tell long stories, and even those who don't talk may have very unpleasant predilections. We once travelled four hundred miles inside a stagecoach with a stout man who had a glass of rum and water, warm, handed in at the window at every place where we changed horses. This was decidedly unpleasant. We have also travelled occasionally with a small boy of a pale aspect, with light hair, and no perceptible neck, coming up to town from school under the protection of the guard, and directed to be left at the cross keys till called for. This is, perhaps, even worse than rum and water in a close atmosphere. Then there is the whole train of evils consequent on a change of the coachman, and the misery of the discovery, which the guard is sure to make the moment you begin to doze, that he wants a brown paper parcel, which he distinctly remembers, to have deposited under the seat on which you are reposing. A great deal of hustle and groping takes place, and when you are thoroughly awakened and severely cramped by holding your legs up by almost a supernatural exertion, while he is looking behind them, it suddenly occurs to him that he put it in the foreboot. Bang goes the door. The parcel is immediately found. Off starts the coach again, and the guard plays the key bugle as loud as he can play it, as if in mockery of your wretchedness. Now, you meet with none of these afflictions in an omnibus. Sameness there can never be. The passengers change as often in the course of one journey as the figures in a kaleidoscope and though not so glittering, are far more amusing. We believe there is no instance on record of a man's having gone to sleep in one of these vehicles. As to long stories, would any man venture to tell a long story in an omnibus? And even if he did, where would be the harm? Nobody could possibly hear what he was talking about. Again, children, though occasionally, are not often to be found in an omnibus, and even when they are, if the vehicle be full, as is generally the case, somebody sits upon them, and we are unconscious of their presence. Yes, after mature reflection and considerable experience, we are decidedly of opinion that of all known vehicles, from the glass coach in which we were taken to be christened, to that sombre caravan in which we must one day make our last earthly journey, there is nothing like an omnibus. We will back the machine in which we make our daily peregrination from the top of Oxford Street to the city, against any bus on the road, whether it be for the gaudiness of its exterior, 
the perfect simplicity of its interior, or the native coolness of its cad. This young gentleman is a singular instance of self-devotion. His somewhat intemperate zeal on behalf of his employers is constantly getting him into trouble, and occasionally into the house of correction. He is no sooner emancipated, however, than he resumes the duties of his profession with unabated ardour. His principal distinction is his activity. His great boast is that he can chuck an old gentleman into the bus, shut him in, and rattle off afore he knows where it's a-going to, a feat which he frequently performs to the infinite amusement of every one but the old gentleman concerned, who, somehow or other, never can see the joke of the thing. We are not aware that it has ever been precisely ascertained how many passengers our omnibus will contain. The impression on the cad's mind evidently is that it is amply sufficient for the accommodation of any number of persons that can be enticed into it. Any room? cries a hot pedestrian. Plenty of room, sir, replies the conductor, gradually opening the door and not disclosing the real state of the case until the wretched man is on the steps. Where? inquires the entrapped individual, with an attempt to back out again. Either side, sir, rejoins the cad, shoving him in and slamming the door. All right, Bill. Retreat is impossible. The newcomer rolls about till he falls down somewhere, and there he stops. As we get into the city, a little before ten, four or five of our party are regular passengers. We always take them up at the same places, and they generally occupy the same seats. They are always dressed in the same manner, and invariably discuss the same topics. The increasing rapidity of cabs, and the disregard of moral obligations evinced by omnibus men. There is a little testy old man, with a powdered head, who always sits on the right-hand side of the door, as you enter, with his hands folded on the top of his umbrella. He is extremely impatient, and sits there for the purpose of keeping a sharp eye on the cad, with whom he generally holds a running dialogue. He is very officious in helping people in and out, and always volunteers to give the cad a poke with his umbrella when any one wants to alight. He usually recommends ladies to have sixpence ready to prevent delay, and if anybody puts a window down that he can reach, he immediately puts it up again. Now what are you stopping for? says the little man every morning, the moment there is the slightest indication of pulling up at the corner of Regent Street, when some such dialogue as the following takes place between him and the cad. What are you stopping for? Here the cad whistles, and affects not to hear the question. I say, a poke, what are you stopping for? For passengers, sir. Bank tea. I know you're stopping for passengers, but you've no business to do so. Why are you stopping? Vice, sir. That's a difficult question. I think it is because we prefer stopping here to going on. Now mind, exclaims the old man with great vehemence. I'll pull you up tomorrow. I've often threatened to do it. Now I will. Thank you, sir, replies the cad, touching his hat with a mock expression of gratitude. Very much obliged to you indeed, sir. Here the young men in the omnibus laugh very heartily, and the old gentleman gets very red in the face, and seems highly exasperated. The stout gentleman in the white neckcloth, at the other end of the vehicle, looks very prophetic, and says that something must shortly be done with these fellows, or there's no saying where all this will end, and the shabby genteel man, with the green bag, expresses his entire concurrence in the opinion, 
as he has done regularly every morning for the last six months. A second omnibus now comes up, and stops immediately behind us. Another old gentleman elevates his cane in the air, and runs with all his might towards our omnibus. We watch his progress with great interest. The door is opened to receive him. He suddenly disappears. He has been spirited away by the opposition. Hereupon the driver of the opposition taunts our people with his having regularly done em out of that old swell, and the voice of the old swell is heard, vainly protesting against this unlawful detention. We rattle off. The other omnibus rattles after us, and every time we stop to take up a passenger, they stop to take him too. Sometimes we get him, sometimes they get him, but whoever don't get him, say they ought to have had him, and the cads of the respective vehicles abuse one another accordingly. As we arrive in the vicinity of Lincoln's Inn Fields, Bedford Row, and other legal haunts, we drop a great many of our original passengers and take up fresh ones, who meet with a very sulky reception. It is rather remarkable that the people already in an omnibus always look at newcomers, as if they entertained some undefined idea that they have no business to come in at all. We are quite persuaded the little old man has some notion of this kind, and that he considers their entry as a sort of negative impertinence. Conversation is now entirely dropped. Each person gazes vacantly through the window in front of him, and everybody thinks that his opposite neighbour is staring at him. If one man gets out at Shoe Lane, and another at the corner of Farringdon Street, the little old gentleman grumbles and suggests to the latter that if he had got out at Shoe Lane too, he would have saved them a delay of another stoppage, whereupon the young men laugh again, and the old gentleman looks very solemn, and says nothing more till he gets to the bank, where he trots off as fast as he can, leaving us to do the same, and to wish, as we walk away, that we could impart to others any portion of the amusement we had gained for ourselves. End of chapter 16 of Scenes from Sketches by Boz